Welcome to Living Well with Alan Davey, and I'm Rob Holding. And Alan, I'm trying to remember this term you just said to me, neuroplasticity. Well done. Yeah, neuroplasticity. Neuroplasticity is it's, it is a pretty technical term, but the the, the simplest the, the the way to to understand it is plastic, as in mouldable, mouldable, neuro for brain, yeah, and, and, mouldable and brain, it's mouldable. Yeah. yeah, our brains are mouldable. If they weren't, then um, whatever belief we formed in our childhood, whatever conclusions we come to, would be stuck in those conclusions for the rest of our life. But we are, aren't we? Mostly. I mean, unless unless somebody points out that the way I'm thinking and the way I'm behaving is wrong, yeah. I'm, I'm stuck in that. Yeah. It's not plastic at all. It's it it it, it's it, neuro it has the ability. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Set in concrete yeah, is the yeah, other yeah. term, isn't it? Yeah. You know, oh, that's yeah. all set in concrete, or your mind set in concrete. The reality is, time doesn't heal, so we need more than time to allow healing to take place. Yeah. And the more than is. Um, the understanding of truth, being able to apply truth into whatever's going yeah. on in our life. So our our mind that has set itself into a groove of its thinking is then able to be challenged that that thinking's inaccurate yeah. and then form a new groove by applying the truth. So this is simple but not easy, and we may yeah. have talked about that over, yeah. over the times we've been together. I remember when Sharon and I... Um uh, we went and saw a wonderful lady, Rosemary Dipros, for marriage counselling, and when because we got married when we were thirty-five, so set in stone. Yeah. And most of the time, the pictures you get are, you know, when when you're young, you're like a sponge, and you come together, and it moulds nicely. And when you're older, you're like two stones that you know. Right. And you go, what's the end of that picture? That's yeah. just dust. Yeah. That's not a nice picture. No. Um, and what Rosemary said was. Uh, she said, no, when, you, when you're young, you're like a little creek that grows into a stream, and when you're older, you're like a big, mighty river, and when two rivers come together, there's, a, there's an awful lot of, uh, what do you call it, convalence, you know, confluence, whatever it is, you know, turbulence and everything. Yeah. Um, and, but then it's a stronger river afterwards, and I go, good. that's a good picture. That yeah, one I, I like can that. look at. Dust and pebbles, I don't yeah. like. No. And a lot of times when you're wanting to introduce the subject of, Alan, you're thinking the wrong way, about yourself, immediately I'm going, this is going to hurt, right? I'm set in concrete and and you're going to want to break down my concrete to change it with something. Right. And, and that's a barrier for, for even starting the conversation. Yeah, yeah. One of the things, sometimes if I'm running a seminar, I'll have a piece of plasticine. And when you first grab hold of it, it is cold and it's quite firm. But as you begin to to, to, to add some pressure to it yep. and add some some um, some warmth to yep. it, it becomes warmth. more yeah. pliable. And what, one of the things that I do with a, when, when I've got a client in my office is, is just as preparation to the session, I'll say to them that my job my role is to, I'm going to ask you lots of questions, and part of that is is I'm lifting up a rock to see if something crawls out. And, uh, you, you know, like, like yep. t tell me about your life, where does that anger come from, all sorts of different questions. And if something, if nothing crawls out, we gently put the rock down. But if something crawls out, then we go have a look at that yep. because that something is an issue that's going to that's gonna come up somewhere, probably already has, almost yep. undoubtedly. And so I'm preparing a person to be open enough to consider there's something down inside themselves that's causing their behaviour. And like I say, probably in every session that we talk, Rob, is our beliefs 
produce our behaviour. Yes, yeah, our yeah. behaviour comes from our beliefs. Uh, I mean, the Bible says that as a man thinks, so is he. It's it's, it's the way exactly. we exactly. And and a lot of people will be thinking, well, Alan, you know, you you've obviously got everything right because you're a counsellor and a and a former pastor, so you don't have anything underneath your rocks. But it's it's more like I think it's more like no, I've come to recognise that we all have things under our rocks, and and, and I've got skills to deal with it. We're all damaged to some yeah. degree. Would right? that be more, more correct? Yeah, yeah, absolutely it is. Yeah. No, the, the, you know, the fall has damaged us all. So we are all damaged goods. Yeah. And plus I'm married, so I get that pointed out reasonably regularly. <laughs> <laughs> and rightly so, you yeah. know. <laughs> Where does that behaviour come from, Alan? Yes. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah. So, no, we're all a work in progress, but the goal really is to progress. Yes. The goal isn't to say, oh, well, you know, this is who I am. I hear that. Um, so often you get the, the, the personality traits. You know, I mean, I, I can't remember what just sanguine and what the other ones are. So I go the, the, the lion, the beaver, the otter, and the, and the golden Labrador. Right. You know, and, and you go, well, that's me, I'm a lion. And, and God goes, actually, no, that's your main thing at the moment, but I'd really like to flatline those other yeah. ones. Yeah. You know, same as ministry gifts. Yes, you might be, you might have the, um, as a Christian, you might be the prophet or the the whatever, but God says, actually, I'd, I'd like to bring those other ones up and make them a bit more of a flat line. Mm. So, so you go, oh, this is me. I'm mm. stuck in that. Mm. We we act out of our beliefs, yeah. don't we? And so you can be a prophet, but if you're insecure or you know, or things like that, the the way you project the prophet will come from a place that really, if, if that place was healed, if that place was worked on, then the, the aspect of the prophet or the, you know, the evangelist or whatever yeah. comes out clearer. Yeah. So that's always the goal, Rob, yeah. is to be able to say, okay, we reap what we sow, how are we going here? Yeah. The, the, the evangelist who, who comes and sits down beside you on a park bench and has a, has a quiet chat with you versus the evangelist who stands in the middle of the street they're both evangelists, yeah. but there's different personalities going on in there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And those personalities may not be wrong, but but we need to be able to check where that power source is coming from. Yeah. Because if the power source is coming from a, a wound within me that says, "Well, I've got to, I've got to get this point across," because if I don't get this point across, then I'm a less than less than who I should be. Then 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 it's going to get tainted coming yeah. out. So go back to the plaster scene, uh, and we know that the blue tack's very similar at times, but but sometimes it's harder to get that plaster scene malleable. Yeah. Um, is that an age thing with us, or is it a, uh, you know, I mean, you go, okay, well, you're 60 years old now, so it's going to be really hard to get your mind. Well, that's true. To be honest, that is true. The longer you leave it, the harder it is. But... But hard, hard just means hard. It doesn't mean too hard. Yeah. So when we can come to realise that, okay, I've left, it, I've left it a little while, but that doesn't mean I still can't make some significant changes that, that improve my life and improve the life of those around me. You, you know, um, sow a thought, reap an action, sow an action, reap a habit, sow a habit, reap a character, sow a character, reap a destiny. Who said that? I don't know. That was good, though. I remember it's, that from years ago. It comes from way ago. back, doesn't yep. it? And yep. it's reasonably well known. But the truth in it is our thoughts produce our destiny. Yep. So if, that, if that's accurate, then I really do need to assess the basis for my thinking. Yep. And if I can, if, 
and we need to be willing to assess the basis for our thinking. Otherwise, you know, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Yeah, so go through the steps. Sow a thought. Sow a thought. Reap an action. An action. So Sow an yeah. So an action. Reap a habit. Reap a habit. So a habit. Reap a character. Reap a character. So a character. Reap a destiny. Yeah. And one of the classics for me in, in, in regards to this, and it's a, a reasonably simplistic one, relates back to my dad. Um, my, if my dad was alive today, he'd be 108. So he was an old man when I came along. I think right. I might have mentioned that at some point. And so back in the day... In, in, in Dad's environment, smoking was um, popular. Yep. And was it, it was encouraged by doctors for your lungs. Exactly. The, the smoking carriages in the car were in the train were the health carriages. <laughs> so I didn't realise that. But, yeah, I know that uh, Dad certainly believed there's nothing wrong with smoking. Yep. So he saw people around him so, smoking. So sow a thought, yep. reap an action. He started smoking at the age of 12. Right. So an action... Reap a Reap habit, habit yep. dad became a smoker. Yep. He, it's just what he now did. And so a habit, reap a character. My memory of dad is if I shut my eyes and think of dad, he was a, a, a short old man with a roll me own smoke hanging out of his mouth. Yep. And he's forever trying to light it. Yep. Do you know what I mean? Yep. So a habit, reap a character. So a character, reap a destiny. Dad died at 72. Do you know why? Lung cancer. Yeah. So yeah. that was his destiny. It's, um, I mean, at the moment as we're recording this, the Olympic Games are on. And mm. I said to somebody over the weekend, I was speaking in Kawaru, and I said, you know, I actually seriously thought about uh, retraining for the Olympics because I did athletics uh, when I was younger and particularly shot put discus. And I thought, you know, at the time I was thinking of the, the Sydney Olympics in 2000, I was coming up to 40. I thought, yeah, you know, I'm still big enough. I could, I could get there. Nah, I can't be bothered. Well, right? so but the, the thought was there, but it, it, sure. it didn't translate into the action. It's still the Melbourne Olympics in nine uh, in two thousand thirty two, Rob. Yeah, it's, <laughs> at the age of seventy two, I really probably won't be okay, making it for yeah, that. Yeah, but, past know. your peak. But well done, Valerie Adams, of course. But uh, Dame Valerie Adams. But but you know, well, there's a the thing too because we've got that that, that young um, young New Zealand shot putter coming along. We've got. Yeah. Valerie Adams, who's now, you know, for her PB is not personal best, it's post-babies. Yes, true. So she's come back after having two two children, come back into the field, and you can, I I think you can see that she's not as hungry as she used to be. There is a point where where you you kind of settle for what you've got. Right. You know, and you go, okay, we got our three score in 10 years, and yeah, maybe I'm, I'm a little bit messed up in here. But I think the... I mean, we're talking about living well, and God created us to live well. He didn't create us to live in this in this prison and be imprisoned by the mind. And 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 no matter what age we are, we should still be thinking, oh, maybe I need to change. Maybe I need to break out of this. Well, living well is the key, isn't it? Because we've only got this. This is this is the opportunity we have on this planet, one life. Yep. That's it. We can make mistakes and learn. Try, fail, learn, grow, and that's the goal. So, how are we going with that? And then the other side of that is we reap what we sow, and so what? What? What are we growing with what we're sowing? And and one indicator of that is what's happening in my life. Yeah. And so if things aren't going that well, relationship-wise, or or in other areas, if things aren't going that well, we have a tendency to say, well, that's because this or that happened. 
Well, to be blunt, this or that will happen to everybody. It's not what happens to us, but our response it's to our it. It's our response to it. It's yeah. not what happens to us, but what we think about what has happened to us. So a thought reap an action. It's what we think about what happens to us that will determine our next step. And so if our thinking patterns are stink thinking, yep. then stink thinking will lead to stink feelings which will lead to stink actions, stink actions yep. which will lead to stink behaviour, which will lead to stink life. Well, see, now you put another word in there. So we talk about thoughts and then you put feelings and then actions. Yeah. So which comes first, the thought or the feeling? Yeah, good question. Um, that's a very good question. I think the thoughts come first, but here's, here's the thing, Rob, that neuroplasticity, the mind is moldable, that, that realisation that what's in between our ears here is the power source that will, that will profoundly influence our life. Yep. And in a fundamental, basic way, the mind has two things. It does two things. It does our thinking and it does our feeling. But the, the, the front part of our brain is called the frontal cortex. Yep. Um, and the frontal cortex, primarily its job is time. It understands time. And so if I was to say to you, when was the last time you had a pizza? And we put probes on your brain, this, this is the bit this that is lights the up. That light, it, yep. it literally lights up because yep. it's now functioning. Yep. And so, so it understands time. If that bit got damaged through accident or surgery, then time is now distorted. Okay. And um, we used to care for a guy in our home for a number of years, and he had a major car accident when he was 21. He came to live with us when he was 50, and almost without fail, every day he would say, is Dad coming to pick me up today? Because he had no concept of time. And gone. Yeah. Dad had been yeah. dead for 30 years. And, and lots of other interesting things. He's a lovely, gentle man. Um, gee, I admired him for, for, for him being able to cope with that as well as he yeah, did. Yeah. So the frontal but cortex the, is, is, is that's time That's the bit that understands based, yeah. time. There's another part of our brain, there's all sorts of parts, there's another part that understands language. And if you've had a stroke and that bit's affected your language, your ability to speak is affected. Yeah. So these are, these are what happens. There's another part in the base of our brain back, uh, back here, and that's called the amygdala. And the amygdala... Its function is to store and relay feelings and emotions. Yeah. And so when something happens to me, because this is getting back to what you were saying, does it, you, you, you know, what comes first, our beliefs or our feelings, well, they come almost simultaneously that you can't, you cannot split them apart. And I use this as the example, one of the examples. When I was a little kid, I was downtown and I saw a black dog and I reached out to pat the black dog. As I reached out to pat this black dog, I didn't know it, it didn't know me, and it took a hold of my hand and it yep. was chewing on my hand. It was, it was bad. And so there was blood and slime and all that sort of yep. stuff and I had to pull my hand out of its mouth. While all that was going on, my adrenal gland would have pumped adrenaline out, the fight or flight. Yep. And so my heart was racing, my breathing was laboured, I was sweating and very afraid. Yep. And so pulled my hand out, got away from that dog. The very next time I saw that dog, the amygdala has connected that black dog to this feeling. Yes. You understand? Yep, yep. This feeling. Now, here's a really important thing. And for anybody listening, this is, this is really important to understand, so I really hope I can explain it in a way that it comes across well. 
because the amygdala has no concept of time, it only understands feelings and emotions. So the moment I saw that dog again, the amygdala doesn't know time, so it didn't say, oh, that was two days ago. You're nowhere near it now. You understand that that yep. dog didn't know yep. you. So, so there's no context there. Yep. All the it's amygdala does is feelings. Yeah, feelings. And yep. up comes the feeling of being terrified. And, and if I hadn't processed that appropriately, I would most likely have a phobia. That's where phobias come from. Yep. Phobias come from... Uh, an experience that you've had that triggers a powerful feeling and now any time you think, feel, smell, hear, you go to a place or whatever and it triggers that, the amygdala doesn't say, oh, yeah, that was two weeks ago, two months ago, 20 years ago because yep. this is the bit that understands that. Time. This the, bit that, only that's... understands feelings. Yep. And so up comes the ugly feeling. Yeah. And now what's controlling us? The ugly feeling the is feeling. controlling yeah. us. And so the, the two primary things that if we can deal with these two things in our life, we, we're going to notice some profound change. There are other things that are around the peripheral of that, but in a, in a primary sense, we need to trace, face and replace yep. the stink beliefs we formed because our subconscious has a powerful influence oh, on our life. You talk about phobias. Uh, mine is moths. Right. Right. And and I'm like that immediately. Yeah. Right. So I, all all I can think is at some point when I was a child, a moth must have gone yeah. down my shirt or something. Yeah. Um. And and like most adults nowadays, you know, you you've swallowed a moth. I mean, I've rode motorbikes for. Right. <laughs> you swallow moths and flies and bees and all sorts of things, but if there's a big moth. I'm like this immediately, yeah. and and I recognise it, and I'll go, nope, I'm going to sit here. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. it's. It, That's how powerful those feelings are. Yeah, yeah, they can overwhelm us that quick. Yeah, because because feelings are profoundly powerful. So those are the two things: trace the lie, and downgrade. And I'll talk about this. We'll talk about this yep. now, actually. Downgrade D the downgrade unbearable the feeling. The feeling. We downgrade those unbearable feelings from unbearable because when it's unbearable, I can't cope. Yep. When it's bearable, yeah, I can cope. And so there's a process that we need to go through to be able to do that. How are you with black dogs now? Yeah, no, um, fine. Because I don't know where it came from. Probably my parents but they would have, they would have, they might have even been there. Not that I remember that. Yep. But they would have reassured me that that was that dog, not all dogs. Right. And and maybe I was in town when I saw it the second time and got afraid, and they would have reassured me again. So my parents should have reassured me that it was that moth, not all moths. That's correct. Yeah. If they were there, yeah. Yeah. and if and if you had been able to process it appropriately, yeah. when I when I was five years old, we had we had an auntie, Auntie Irene. Auntie, everybody should have an Auntie Irene because she was warm, yep. caring, and well off. And so when each of us kids turned five, she would take us from Waipokarao, she would drive us to Napier to go to the farmer's department store All right. to buy a toy. We were allowed a toy. And it's stunning. Thank you, Auntie Irene, for that. And so I remember it very well. My fifth birthday, she picked me up, took me to Napier, took me to the farmer's department store. We walked through the big double doors. And as we walked in, she said, there's a toy aisle. Go and find yourself a toy. When you found a toy, 
come back to these double doors and I'll, I'll come and meet you. I'm just going to go look, look at some other things. Yep. So Auntie Irene wanders off and I go into Aladdin's cave, you know, the toy yeah, aisle, yeah, yeah. and it was amazing. And, and I don't know how long it took me, but eventually I found a toy. And I walked to, what, to where I thought the, well, where the double doors were, and as I got to those double doors, I looked around and everything was completely unfamiliar because unbeknown to me, the farmer's department store covered a whole block. And so you had a set of double doors here and, and a, a set, different of double, set of double doors. They looked the same, but when you got there, everything was different. Yeah. And so I started crying and the shop assistant found me and took me to the information centre and over the loudspeaker was there's a little boy here lost his auntie. Could his auntie please come and get him? So Auntie Irene comes straight away and picks me up and we go home and seemingly everything is fine after that. Yep. But interestingly enough, the lost in a department store feeling followed me. Wow. And so from that day on, I was afraid of getting lost because any time I thought I might get lost, the amygdala goes through its file, lost equals when you're five in a department store freaking out. And so I remember one day I was up in Auckland and uh, we were following a map back in the day. We didn't have Google and we were following a map and the map was outdated and we got to the end of a road and there wasn't meant to be an end of a road. Right. It was meant to carry on, yep. but in this, but but the map was so outdated that the road ended there, and I started to freak out because yep. right at that moment I was five again. Yeah, and that whole lost feeling came in again as a five. Maybe that's old. what happened when we were in Israel, and my wife and kids were getting upset when I got us lost. Maybe that maybe they had department store lost. <laughs> <laughs> well, you 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 will see people have meltdowns and they'll behave. Like a child, yep. you know, they'll throw the toys out of the cot, they'll overreact. Often it comes from an unbearable feeling that's come screaming up because of another event. Yeah. And so the goal there then is to be able to recognise, oh, that's that. I get that now. You see, I never travelled overseas, true. I never yep. travelled overseas until my mid-40s because if I get lost in New Zealand, I can walk home. That's it, yep. If I get lost in Fiji, I can't swim that good. Yeah. You understand? Yeah. And that's, that's exactly yeah. what happened. My, my wife would longed to go overseas. I'd always make excuses. Wow. The year I dealt with that was the year we went overseas for Did the first time. Did you get time. lost? Quite possibly. But, it, but, it, <laughs> yeah. but because I'd orientated myself yeah. to being okay with it, not unbearable, yeah. so, but what, just what, what you were doing was you were, you were in some ways overruling that the feelings. It's exactly what you have to do. Right. And you're saying, I'm, I'm not going to let the feelings control my thoughts. Yeah. Four words that set me free. Feelings are not facts. Feelings are not facts. Feelings are not facts. Feelings are real. Yep. But they're not necessarily telling me the truth. Feelings are there to serve me, not master me. Yeah. You know, Jesus didn't say the feelings will set you free. He said the truth will the set truth you free. The truth will set you free. And 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 here's here's. You know, you've been bringing this along for. <laughs> you've just been waiting for an opportunity to play with your little truck. <laughs> well, I've brought this along a couple of times now because I thought, well, if we if, if we move down into this, yep. then then I've got I've got my little illustration, okay. but we never have. So we have now. So here's here's the illustration. <coughs> that's tr- that's a truck. Correct. That's a fact. Yep, that's <laughs> that's a fact. Truck units are designed to pull trailer units. Yep. 
trailer units are not designed to try and pull a truck unit. It's a truck unit's job to, to pull the trailer, pull the trailer yep. unit. And when the trailer unit comes around here like a jackknife, we've got trouble. Yep. The truck and trailer are now in danger. So it's not meant to but happen That's like a fear that. most blokes have. Yeah. With, with trailers right, yeah. when, you, when you're backing. <laughs> and when people are watching. Yeah. <laughs> and so... So this is, this is this facts. Is, this is facts, this is facts or yeah. truth. This is feelings, moods and emotions. It's that cluster of stuff. It's the amygdala yep. stuff. So truth is meant to guide feelings. Feelings are not meant to take over truth. That's so back the front the way most of us operate. Because it's it's always it's always how I feel about things guides and drives what I do and what I think. Dangerous. Yeah. It's absolutely but right. isn't that isn't that normal though? I mean It's normal. That's <laughs> that 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 in the extreme sense, which was me, extreme not as in too extreme, but as in as in if we take it too far, it's called emotionally based reasoning. That means if I feel I feel this, it must be accurate. If I feel you just, if I feel you've abandoned me, if you looked at me wrong and ignored me, then I've been abandoned by you because that's what it feels like. Yeah. If I feel um, um, like a failure because I made a mistake, then I must be a failure. So the feelings then take over yeah. this. And what happens is when that's there and that's not there, that's not even close. Let's roll down the hill and it's sitting at the bottom of the hill down here. Right. And all we've got is this. Is the feelings running free and, and running Absolutely. Yeah. And and unfortunately in our culture today, it's kind of like, well, if it feels good, do it. Yeah. You know, obey your feelings. Heck, we shouldn't obey our feelings. No. We need to reassess the feelings. I'm not saying deny the feelings, but challenge their accuracy. Yeah. So the goal isn't we try and get rid of all of our feelings. No, what we need to do is we need to bring facts in, evidence yeah. in, truth in, and say, okay, what's going on is here? It, is this overruling the feelings? Yes, it is. So, I mean, it's, uh, if we go back to the Olympics again, and we're sitting there watching the um, the women's shot put on the weekend, uh, and again, our, our, I can't remember her name, I'm sorry, our young New Zealand right. uh, lady shot putter, the world champion who, sh who put it first fouled. The next one comes up, she fouls. So here's our young New Zealand lady on her first time, you know, what's going through her mind? Yep. The, the, the emotions, yep. the feelings are... Three for three, you know. So you, you've got to overcome that, yep. you know. And even if you failed twice for your third one, you've got to overcome that feeling. Um, you go up, you know, you, you're at the pool and you look up the three meter board, and you go, well, you know, that's not so high. And then you climb up the three meter board, and you, you're shaking, and you know, enough to fall off. Yeah. Um, how do you? Is it just a repetition thing to to overcome those feelings? Because, I mean, I know that if I use the three-metre board for me back in Dunedin at Moana Pool, yeah. you know, the first time up there it's a long way down to the pool, but, oh, whatever, yeah. jump off. You know, next time jump off. Next time dive off. I'll explain that by telling you a story, another story, and this, this guy won't Stories mind, are good. This guy won't mind me telling, me, telling you this story. He, uh, he's a client of mine, came to me, I don't know, six weeks, two months ago, and... Um, and in lifting a rock to see what crawled out, yep. he recognised that 
embarrassment was his unbearable feeling. Now, embarrassment was attached to something happened that happened in his childhood. So the amygdala attaches that yucky event, and so any time he thinks of embarrassment, up comes the yucky feeling. The yucky event, yep. And so, and so he gets himself married. He has a number of children. He never, ever went to any of his children's school events, none of them, which really caused some problems. And so, and so there was a disconnecting from him, his wife, and his children yep. because his unbearable feeling, his UBF of feeling embarrassed, he had projected that on to anybody that might get embarrassed feels the same feeling he does because that's what he's connected being embarrassed to, this yucky feeling yep. related to his, the echo from his childhood. And so we talk it through, and I give him some tools, and I'll explain those in a moment, tools to be able to downgrade the unbearable feeling of feeling embarrassed. So not remove it. You can't take it away. You can, because it's part of your being, isn't it? Yeah. But we downgrade it's the, it. It's the moth. It's, yeah. Well, it's it's the memory. Yeah. That's right. And so what I do, what I do with clients often is we'll find their unbearable feeling, and let's say for him it was feeling uh, embarrassed, and we'd write it on his hand, feeling embarrassed. And I said, now put that up in front of you like this. What? And it's now not your hand. It's it represents it's the, the feeling. feeling. Yep. What are you seeing now? Well, I'm seeing the feeling. Yeah. How powerful is that feeling? He said, I can't see anything but the feeling. And I say, okay, grab your other hand and push it out of the way. Can you see anything now? He goes, yeah, I can see things clearly. Okay, let it go back again. What's now in control? The feeling's in control. Push it out of the way. Can you see clearly? Yes. And I say, who's controlling the hand? I'm control. you know. Yep. We yep. control. I'm making a decision yeah. to control the hand. We control our feelings. And that's a powerful realisation, the realisation that feelings aren't facts, I can control them. They're meant to serve me, not master me. Yeah. They're real, but not necessarily accurate. And so we downgrade, and this is the key, you downgrade your unbearable feeling from unbearable, because when it's here, it's unbearable, you're, you're going to run like heck from yeah. whatever it is. Yeah, a moth, I mean, you, you, you know, people looking on would say, well, that's a bit silly. But because your amygdala just has the feeling, you're not thinking it's silly, yep. you're just getting scared. And so when you're able to downgrade it, this is simple but not easy. So, so we, can't, we, we can't get rid of the feeling? No, we downgrade the unbearable feeling. So it's kind of, in that sense, it's in my peripheral So I'm vision. making it bearable now? Yeah, you're, yeah. It's, you either downgrade it from up, because when it's unbearable, you're only in reaction. Yep. This isn't there. This is there because that's now taken over. When we downgrade it from unbearable to maybe even just a little uncomfortable, yep. ideally bearable, but even a little uncomfortable is okay, then this starts taking over again. Yeah. And when that takes over, it reassesses this and it says, oh, yeah, that's that echo from my past. That was then. This is now. I'm okay. Yep. So we need to reassure ourselves. So getting back to the story of that guy, he, he gained enough understanding in a couple of sessions to go to his son's recital at school, music recital. Excellent. And he walks into this music recital. This is only a month He'd ago. He'd be feeling uncomfortable doing so. He was scared. He walks into this music recital, and his goal was to get there the moment his son was going to be doing the music. That was his plan. Right. So he timed it to what he thought was perfection. He gets there, 
and and the whole program is running 10 minutes late. Oh, dear. So he's sitting there and he's watching all these other children doing their recital, making yeah. the odd mistake. And and the things that I taught him, he was putting into practice. He was downgrading. He was uh, reassuring himself with the truth. Yeah. The truth, not the feelings. The truth, the not facts, the feelings. not the feelings. And... <laughs> and I could imagine him sitting there amongst all these parents and he's going like this and he's going like this and he's going like this, but he got through. Yep. And he was so pleased with himself and his son was so thrilled to see to his dad there. there. Yep. So that was a breakthrough because when we realise that we actually can control these feelings as powerful as they feel, yep. when we're able to reassess them with truth, we're able to downgrade them. We're able to put them where they belong. They serve me, not master me. And then we're gaining control. How do you mind if I? How easy is it to to reattach that on there? Because you know we've we've probably all watched videos or or, or movies or somewhere where where the the trailers come off the truck and the, and the truck comes forward and it's a bit further forward and it backs slowly on and it attaches and, and we're all under control. Most of us are thinking, no, it's going to be. Sure, you sure. know it's so difficult. So how how easy is it to actually put the facts back in charge? One of the goals is, if you can, and it's not essential, but it can be helpful, is to be able to go back to where the event probably originally happened, black dog, yep. getting lost in a department store, and things like that. To be able to go back there and reassess it from where you are now, and say to yourself, okay, I see it for what it is now. So this is this is the the, the part of the trace it. It is. Face it and replace it. That's correct. So, so we go back to that and we reassess it. And so we're able to, to, to bring truth in, so effect. So the, so the, feel, the feelings are running free, yep. but we're, we're in the truck now well, behind the, the wheel. We've got the facts. If the feelings are running free, you won't have the facts, to okay. be blunt, because when that feeling is there, the feeling is in control. Yep. You are overwhelmed. You are fight flight or freeze. That's what will happen. Yep. And so the goal is to recognize that, okay, in this situation, like like my client, he's, he's, he's going to the school to watch his son, never done that in his life before, and he knows he knows the feeling is there because you can't get rid of it. Yep. We just downgrade it. And, and the more we're able to downgrade it, the more we control it. It's like, like for me, you know, lost in a department store. Now when I think of getting lost, it's kind of like, Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's, it's not so bad now yeah. because I've because I've won so many times that it's not it's it it's lost its power. So that's yeah. the goal. And so when it gets when it when it can just stay here, when we can convince it to stay here with the evidence, then we're going to be okay. But we need to do that by reassuring ourselves with the truth, and that truth is bringing. Basically, the frontal lobe, the neo, uh, the frontal cortex, into the truth, into the situation, yep. and being able to say, "Okay, that's that feeling." And that's why I actually labour a little bit on the amygdala. I help people recognise that the amygdala's job is to store and relay feelings and emotions. That's all it does. That's what it? God created. That's it correct. To do. Yep, He made it to do that, but He also made the other parts of our brain to be able to. Uh, reassess that yep. so that we're we are now in control, not the feeling. 
Because here's the thing, if you're standing on a railway line and there's a train coming and you're starting to feel scared, that's a good thing. That's a really good thing. And so you get the power to, to, to get your foot out of the track or to, you know, to, yep. to get away from the situation. Yep. So the feeling is there to serve us and to serve us well. But if I'm sitting in my lounge and I can hear the echo of a railway train coming up through the valley and I'm scared stiff of railway trains and that echo, and I hear literally hear the echo and I start getting freaked out, yep. where's the evidence? Where's the evidence I need to be afraid? There is no railway line running through my lounge. That's, I mean, that's the monster under the bed, isn't it? Absolutely. It's, 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 it's the creaky noise at night and and the fear that there is this and that, which is – so the fear – and that, it's like you, you can't say the emotion you felt when you were where whatever it was uh, with the dog, however, however old you were. You can't say, well, no, no, Alan, that was a wrong emotion. You shouldn't have felt that. Well, of course you felt that. Yeah. You know, yeah. That's what the emotion was for. Yeah. But it's, it's recognising it, as you say, putting it in its context, in its time context, Correct. and saying that was a brilliant emotion. Yeah. Brilliant feeling for that. Yeah. Well done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Excellent. Your hand, dog's biting your hand. Great. That's mm. perfect feeling. But that's situational. It's not now. That's right. And that's why we bring the truth in, the truck unit in, to, re to assess yep. the feeling. We don't let the feeling do the assessing for us. The feelings are our servant, yep. not our master. Yep. Now, now most of us haven't got that understanding. M many of us do have emotionally based reasoning, and that was me. You know, I'd wake up in the in the morning, maybe because I'd had some pizza the night before, or I had a stink dream or something, and I and I remember this. I woke up one morning thinking, "There's something dreadful going to happen today." I really feel there's something dreadful going to happen today. So I walked through my day. I even told a colleague, I think, something, you know, the axe is going to fall. I don't yeah. know what the axe means, but something yucky is going to happen. And I wandered through that whole day based on a feeling. feelings. And, and all I had was a stink day waiting for something <laughs> to happen that never happened. Nothing bad happened. Yeah. It was just too many anchovies on the pizza. Very well. Yeah. That's exactly what it could have been. But it's not, I mean, it's we joke about it, but it's not a simple thing to 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 say to the feelings you are not in charge. That's not an easy thing no, to do, is it? No, and that's why we need to be able to recognise where it came from. We need to be able to understand some of the triggers that will bring it back again. Yeah. And one of the best ways to describe that is if you're, if you're body surfing at Mount Monganui Beach and you're waiting for the big wave to come, yeah. And because uh, you're, you know, you're literally going to body surf, so you need a reasonable wave to take you, take you along, and you're looking, oh, it's not a good wave. And then someone catches your attention, they yell to you, and you turn to them and you're looking at the beach and they're trying to say something to you and you're wondering what they're saying, you don't realise this big old wave is coming up behind you. And so because you didn't know it was coming, you're not prepared for it. And it, and it takes you, it whips your feet out from under you and now you're rolling on the bottom of the ocean yep. floor. Feelings are like that is we need to recognise, okay, in the situation, this kind of feeling could be could well hit yep. me. And so I'm digging my feet into the bedrock of truth. Yep. And 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 I'm able to say I to mean, myself... Wave, waves is a great example. I mean, Pickawai Beach, where my wife grew up, they're, they're all dumpers, which I didn't find out until I was body surfing and my wife and sister-in-law laughing away from right. me, slammed completely. But the other thing, Mount Monganui, I think um, up north, Mangawai Beach is a, is a great one as well, to, to actually let the waves just smack you. You just stand up against the wave. It's the same wave yeah. that if you weren't prepared yeah. for it would be tumbling you all over the place. But if you make the decision, you can stand up and go, 
the truck. Yeah. But the only way you can make that decision is having your feet firmly in, in, in evidence-based yes. truth. It's yeah. in facts so that when that wave hits, not if, but when that wave hits, you're able to reassure yourself enough, like this guy watching the school production, yep. reassure himself enough to say, those are just echoes from my past. Just because I'm feeling it doesn't mean they're feeling it. That's counter-transference, and that's not them, that's me. And you know, just that reassurance, the digging your feet into that bedrock of truth so that when the wave hits, you still, you still feel it. Yep. You, know, you still feel it, but it hasn't taken over. And as long as it's here, you're going to be okay. And when you've won one or two of those, and so I challenge any of the listeners, give it a go. And when you've won one or two of those, you realise, actually, I am in control of my feelings. Yeah. They are not designed. They're not meant to be controlling me. I'm meant to control them. They are meant to serve me, not master me. Yeah. And so I can then tell them, that's that echo from my past this is what I do, that's that echo from my past, that was then, this is now, I'm okay. You're okay, Alan. You're, you're going to be okay. You're not, you know, when you got lost, it was scary. Yep. But you're, you're 35 now <laughs> <laughs> and your wife's sitting next to you and she's wondering what's that's going on. Right, yep. You don't need to yep. behave like that. If I use the wave analogy again and, uh, and you know, I, mean, I like doing this, standing up in front of big smacking waves, and occasionally one of those will take you out. Yeah. You know, and you will find yourself tumbling yeah. all over the place, completely overcome by the, the feeling of the wave. Yeah. But because you were ready for it yeah. and standing up against yeah. it, it doesn't affect you as much. Yeah. You just get up, you wash, brush the sand off, and you go, ha, 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 bring on the next one. One of the lies for me that had a big influence on me was I'm insignificant and unimportant. Attached to that lie was feeling ignored. When I felt ignored, it reminded me I was insignificant yep. and unimportant. So it was just an attachment. And so, so when I realised that, I was able then to control that feeling. But every now and then, and this hasn't happened now for a number of years, but the reason I'm bringing it up is because it did happen a few years ago and I was disappointed in myself over it, was... Um, Someone ignored me. I felt they ignored me. It pressed that unbearable feeling. And the next yep. time I saw them, I reacted to them out of that feeling. And they were shocked because that wasn't their intention. They just got distracted yep. by something else. And they wondered, where the heck is he coming from? And so it was just another reminder. We can still get caught out from time to time, yeah, yep. I guess is what I'm saying. The feelings make terrible interpreters. Oh, yeah. Terrible. Yeah. Yeah, that's why they're meant to serve us not to master us. Our truth is our guide, not feelings. Yeah. I'm just thinking of anyone watching or listening to the podcast at the moment and, and thinking, you know, Alan, what you're saying, I'm, I'm understanding it and, and, and this is me, but I don't know what that original feeling, what that original situation was. That's, you know, I recognise yeah. that, that I've got yeah. the feelings in charge. Yeah. Uh, the emotions are in charge, not the yeah. facts, but I don't know why. How do, you, how do you find out the why? We don't, you don't have to find the genesis of it. You don't have to find where it came from. It can be helpful because, because you can label it, you can see it for what it was then and for what it is now. Yep. So we, we orientate it by bringing, well, that was then, this is now, into that context. But what we, what we need to recognise is, are those feelings controlling me? What's in control here? 
feelings or facts. And if it's feelings that are in control, then, then there is something that needs to be reassessed. And you may not be able to work that out yourself. I, um, that's why clients come to me yep. because, you know, as I say, every time we come, I talk to you, you know, if you want to know about water, don't ask a fish. Yeah. Because we're just stuck in the stuff. Yeah. So the, one of the keys is to recognize, okay, have I got feelings in my life that overwhelm me, that take over, that are, that, that, that are destructive in my life, that are causing problems yeah. in my life? And if the answer is yes, then I would really encourage you to, to, to pursue dealing with them because in my experience, they don't just go away by themselves. Mm. I think we can grow out of the, um, the monster under our bed thing, but the only reason we grow out of that is because we say, well, there are no monsters like I described. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they, they don't exist. And so then the feeling ends up serving us. Yeah. It's, um, the, some people be going, I don't want to get into therapy. Some people need therapy. But I remember when I was chaplain at the local primary school, there were some kids that I saw every week. Right, and I'm I'm still in contact with some of them, and they're in their late teens, and they still need help. But I remember one boy; he just said, "He, you know, as I was leaving a classroom, he said, oh, Mr. Holding, can I see you?'" I said, "Yep." So we just we walked out onto the field. We sat down with our backs to a tree, and he just told me about family life. That dad was in the gang; he was growing dope out the back of the household. He just needed to get it off his chest. Mm. He identified why he was feeling mm. not good. I, I never saw him as chaplain again. I saw him around the school again. Yeah. You know? um, so, so there are there are times when yeah. uh, when somebody can go, hey, look, you know, you come, you talk to Alan or, or whoever. Yeah. One, one session yeah. is enough to get you yes, on the right road. That's true. The 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 picture I have of that, and um, the younger viewers might not know this, but you know what a poultice is. A poultice, yep, yeah. Yeah. You have a boil, you put a poultice on the boil and it draws out the gunk. It yeah. just has a, a has the ability to draw stuff out. Well, we, we we have this wonderful privilege to be poultices with people that have got gunk in them. Yep. And if we, we can sit with a person, care for a person, um, listen to their story, that's very powerful. So you certainly don't have to be a trained counsellor to help a person work through things and find profound healing, yeah. which is a wonderful thing. So all of us can fit into that category. Yeah. You know, uh, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And so when you're sitting with a person and you're caring for them, they have this. Uh, there's an opportunity for them to get that out. And once they've got it out, they can actually see it clearer. And when they can see it clearer, maybe they can process that. It's interesting when you, when you talk about poultices because it, it always reminds me of the story of Hezekiah in the Bible. Uh, and uh, he was dying, and God said to him, "Get your, you know, sort your your life and family in order because you're going to die." And he he rolls over to face the wall. The Bible tells us and cries out to God, and God hears him and sends Isaiah the prophet back to say those magic words, "I will heal you." You right. talk, talk about four words. Yeah. Now we're talking about the king of of Judah, right? So I'm pretty sure he's got a few um, you know, medical staff around him. And we know that, so what Isaiah said was to get a poultice of figs and put it on the boil, right? and he was healed. Uh, didn't they try that beforehand? Maybe, but maybe not. Mm. But the key, I think, is that, that Hezekiah took his situation to God. 
and I'm not happy with where I am at the moment, God. And God said those words, I will heal you. And then, and then it's like, it's, I will heal you. Go and see a counsellor, Yeah. right? Y- yes, I could heal you like that. I, I could take away that that disconnect or that wrong connection between the emotions and the facts, and I could do that. But in, in this instance, go and see a counsellor. Oh, yeah. It might be once. It might be might be for a year. Yeah. But God says, yeah, I'm going to deal with it in your life so that I can use you the way I want to oh, use yeah. you because this is what's holding you absolutely. back from that. It's absolutely right. You know, we, we all want to be, I don't know if the right word is clean, probably isn't quite the best word, but we all want to be clean vessels that, that life can flow well through. Yes. God can flow well through. We, you know, we, we are living well. We're well connected. We don't react, we respond. And feelings easily produce reactions in us. If we're reacting to something, um, I often say to myself and to others, okay, I'm reacting to this. What's behind that reaction? Because reaction is not good. I need to learn to respond. Yeah. Because reaction is just, it's just, it's just, what you do, it's just what you do. Well, what's that causing in your life? You know, I think I said this the other day. If you've got an, you know, you've got an anger problem. If anger is causing problems, you know, yeah. you know, you know, you've got an alcohol problem. If alcohol is causing problems. Yeah, not you not know. just problems for you, but problems. Uh, problems in your life yes. is more what yeah. I mean. You know, yeah. you've got an yeah. anger problem. If anger is causing causing problems in your life. Yeah. And in your life means the life, you know, your life is, you, your your family, life is people, and, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Um, we're not to be isolated. So in our life, if anger is causing problems, we need to deal with that. Those are, those are all indicators to us of an issue that needs to be addressed. And if we don't address, with the, if we don't address the issue, the issue hasn't gone away. Yeah. And it will only go away, as I think I said once, you write H for hurt on your hand, because of something that's yucky happened, you know, whether it be in your past or whether it's a, a life-defining moment that caused you to form a belief or a yucky feeling, and you go like this, it's still there. And the only way to bring healing to that, to bring it into the light, is to dare to go like that. Well, we can dare to go like that with people that are really close to us that we're safe with, or if you know that it's a significant issue, that once you've gone like that, someone needs to come in and actually be quite specific about yeah. how to how to achieve the healing from that for that. Yeah, I mean, it's the same as anything. You know, I had uh, the other day was a um, just a, a little thorn or something in the finger, and I'm so I'm trying to get it out. And I think it was probably the left hand, so it was the yeah. wrong hand for me. And so Sharon comes along. Do you want me to do it? But sometimes you got to go. Actually, I can't get it out. Can you get yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Know. Um, and sometimes we need help. Yeah, we need Some, help. You know? Absolutely, we yeah. do. Yeah. All right, Alan, thank you once again. It's been great. And uh, we will do this again. And if you click the link to Alan's website below, if you haven't watched the other videos, uh, the Living Well videos, then I encourage you to do so. And you can uh, check those on the link as well. And uh, Alan, we'll catch you next time. I look forward to that. Thanks, Rob.